Welcome back to That's Kind of Wavy. We're your hosts. I'm Nikki. I'm Shaysel. And I'm Jill. And yeah, how has everybody been doing? I've been chilling. Um, I was extremely hungover yesterday. That was the first time that's happened in like maybe like a year. So that was not good. Um, my violent hangovers consist of me throwing up for hours. So oh my god, nice, yeah, love. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm chilling now, so it's okay. It was it was for a fun day, so you know, it just comes with the territory. Yeah. Well, and that's the worst too, because it's like after you throw throw up for like the fifth time, it's like there's nothing left in me. No, but literally. I still like need to. You know, your body just like wants, yeah. thinks it should. So it's like it literally somehow gets worse and worse too throughout yeah. the day. It's not yeah, even it, like it gets better. It hurts even more when your stomach is just like making that motion. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Love. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm glad you're feeling better at this one because I know that that shit, especially as we get older, can roll over into the next day. So, Oh, yeah. I definitely was not feeling like 100% yet today, but once I eat dinner, then I'm sure I'll feel better. Okay, good. Yeah. What about y'all? Yeah, how about you, Shaysel? Um, Pretty good. I guess I had Lala. Well, no, definitely pretty good, but I had Lala last weekend, which was absolutely amazing, and I've been obsessed with charlie xcx as a result i've listened to her albums over and over and over again the past like couple of days which has been really nice um but because of lala post lala is always just like so much i mean one because of just like it's a good disruption to my life but it's a big disruption to life um so like in that way and also biologically from exhaustion and from drugs not like i'm out here doing crazy stuff but even just smoking that much like affects me so yeah yeah, so like dealing with that and trying to readjust my sleep schedule after like another crazy week but overall overall a very good week so i'm I'm good yay yay oh and i have a new job so i'm starting tomorrow i mean you guys know that but our listeners don't so yes i have a new job i start tomorrow and i'm looking forward to it so we'll see how it goes Yay. Yay. That's exciting. Yeah. I um I've been pretty good too. Oh, I have I officially have my tattoo appointment for my inside quote. That's on the twenty third. Yeah. So like two weeks from now. It's I'm getting the quote, um, apathy is a tragedy, boredom is a crime. And so half of it above one knee and then half of it above the other. And I'm just gonna do like I kind of mess around with fonts on canva and like i just chose one that's like pretty clean i don't know because i was like i wanted to just like be really really simple but my artist said it's still my artist was like it'll probably be like around like 200 and i was like that feels like a lot for just text but i think they thought i wanted it bigger because they were like depending on the size so i was like oh yeah because i want it like I said I want it as small as possible while still like being clearly legible. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, at the end of the day, 200 bucks for like a tattoo that I'm going to have the rest of my life, like is not the end of the world. I was just like surprised. Yeah. I want to add something about that really quick. Like my, the cherries that I got recently, that's like a pretty small tattoo. I was very surprised when I got my Spider-Man tattoo. That one was like, I would say like maybe it was like a hundred with the deposit. It ended up being, and the tip and everything, maybe it was like, 250 or something my cherries with the tip and everything it was like 230 i was like what <laughs> i mean I, it was worth it i love i love my tattoos do both have color 
Well, yes, actually. Yes. I mean, the cherries, I guess I didn't think about the color aspect. The cherries were like, they're not filled in or anything, just like the cherry part. The hearts are in red. So I don't know yeah. if that contributed to it. But and at the same time, I got the Spider-Man one in January and this one now and maybe she's gotten bigger. So I'm thinking yeah. it might be related to. Yeah, because the even if it's not a lot of color, I know it that like increases the price just because they have to like switch yeah. all their uh, shit. Yeah. Like they have to like like okay, get a new needle and stuff like, because they out. yeah yeah so it's like yes like the color like you're paying for two inks instead of just one if you're doing like the black just black and red but then it's also you're paying for the extra labor that goes into like switching over to color okay that makes yeah. complete yeah. sense so, sorry i know you guys don't think this but for the listeners i want to add i do not think that that is like you know artists should charge appropriately and i love this artist i'm going back to her already for another appointment and i have like at least four from her already yeah literally four from her already so love her but it was just like oh wasn't expecting that yeah yeah well that's this is the artist I usually go to and this would be my I'm trying to think I think my Schmitty Warman Jingerman Jensen one was by them and it was like 250 so that's why and it has a lot of shading and stuff that's why I was like what the hell so I think they were picturing it a lot bigger because I'm like I should not if it's like do they have to switch out the needle for a different part of your body? Like, can they use the same one on the other leg? Because I don't know if that's adding. Oh. I don't know, though. Cause I'm oh, like, that's a good point because like it's technically two. Yeah, right. but it's like technically two tattoos instead of just one. Right. I didn't even think about that because in my head it's like one because I'm connecting them. Right. That's a good point that it is two separate. Yeah. Oh, Jill, you smart bitch. <laughs> Wow. For real. Like Thinking. I'm all clicking now. <laughs> My little rat brain. Good transition. Yeah. So uh, speaking of Jill's rat brain, today we're going to discuss <laughs> rat psychology, basically, which sounds silly. I don't know. I, when we texted about it, I was like, I forget who said like, oh, rat psychology. I was like, didn't we do rat psychology during the pedo psychology episode? <laughs> like it sounds like we're like being like, I don't know. Doja calling Noah a rat. Oh my god. The psychology right. of Noah Schnapp. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing rat psychology. So it ends up branching off into a lot of like general psychology just because a lot of what we learned has been through tests on rats and not even just tests, but like observations, I would say. But we're focusing like on rats themselves instead of like extrapolating the stuff. So yeah, we have a couple research. I guess tests, would you call it? Research? Experiments, I think. Experiments, yeah. Experiments that we're going to talk about. um, And we'll probably just end up going on a bit of a tangent about them. So, yeah. Yeah. So, we can start with mine. This one. So, 1948 at Yale University, they did motivation and reward in learning. Which, so, this is also why I forgot what date it was. But I was like, I'm pretty sure it's going to be early because it was pretty basic like now I'm going to describe it it's going to be like oh duh but it's like interesting that they had to do it like we had to learn that you know um so what it was was it was really really simple they had one rat that was hungry and one rat that wasn't and they like had them in their little homes and then they moved them into the like experimental area and in that area there was a little lever that they push and it would drop like a food pellet so it showed that Already when they were still in their little homes, the hungry rat was like more active because it was like looking for food, whereas like the rat that wasn't hungry was just chilling. And then when they moved them to a new environment, 
both rats were like looking around for a little bit because it was a new place but then the non-hungry rat was like just chilling again because he didn't need anything and he found it was safe and then the hungry rat was looking around still like trying to find food and so eventually the hungry rat found the lever and it was like it pushed the lever but I didn't see the food pellet at first so it found the food pellet when it walked over to the food bowl so then it thought it was like from the food bowl so it showed it took it a while to realize like oh push the lever and that's where the food pellet came from so it showed like they need that like immediate connection because again it thought oh I just walked over to the food bowl and the pellet was there not like oh I did something to make the pellet be there right and that was basically it so again like really really simple and the thing is that the reward was the food pellet and so even if the non-hungry rat was looking around found the lever and pushed it since it wasn't hungry the food pellet wouldn't be a reward for it so it wouldn't be motivated to keep pushing the lever whereas the hungry rat was so that was one thing I actually like again that's all like pretty basic and so that's 1948 and I feel like that's like a building block for a lot of experiments that we're going to talk about because yeah. it's like okay very basic like oh hungry and food like I don't know right. every living being experiences that but um I thought it was interesting I didn't think about the like what makes it a reward aspect until watching that video because I was like oh, of course like food's a reward but it's like well it's, if you're not hungry then food's not necessarily a reward it's just True. like there's food so that was one thing that I thought was interesting that but I mean that rat again right off the bat was like not even looking around because it was like I'm chilling I don't need anything yeah but the fact that like it specifically needed the hunger because also I was like we're gonna talk about this too I get sad like looking at animal experiments which I think like most people do uh, but one thing I was telling Jill and Chasel before we started was when I was in college, one of my research papers was about the formation of animal rights, basically, and the start of the animal rights movement. And so I had to do a lot of studying of experiments that occurred before animal rights became a thing. And like they were just like brutal because like they didn't think animals could feel pain for a long time. So they were like torturing animals for scientific studies. And so I feel like it's just like I guess like triggering. I was gonna say I don't want to say triggering because I feel like that makes light of stuff that like actually triggers. But it is like I feel like I get sadder. I get like sadder faster because I'm like I know the that rat being hungry was necessary for this experiment, and like being hungry isn't like torturous. Like everybody gets hungry at some point, but I'm like it's hungry like against its will. It like makes me sad. (laughs) Eating disorder. (laughs) Yeah, literally, they're starving this rat. So yeah, yeah, that makes me sad. But again, it's one of those. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like a necessary evil. I would say not anymore, not anymore because we already did it. But I think it was like clearly we needed to do all these experiments to understand. Like, oh shit, wait, actually, they do have more cognition stuff like that, which I know we'll get into with like rats specifically. So a little foreshadowing. But way back in the past, it was like a necessary evil. But it's just sad that it had to be a necessary right. evil, like that we had to go through that to figure that out. Right. They had to go through that for us to figure it out. I know. Poor little ratties. I know. I, I have things to add about like that experiment in general, but I think, Jill, if you want to explain your rat park thing, then I'm sure that that'll give more context too. And then I have some general psychological analysis type of things that I want to address related to this. 
Okay. All right. So the experiment that I looked into was the Rat Park experiment. <laughs> the one and only baby. Like Disneyland for rats. <laughs> I'm literally picturing like An mini roller coasters. <laughs> but I picture too. I mean, the, kind of. The, they had the little hamster up. wheels. <laughs> Can I swing about that? Literally, as I was telling Isabella about she like followed her podcast and stuff, and I was telling her about that we were because we were going to record originally on Sunday about the rat psychology thing. And I can't remember; it's not going to be funny outside of like the context, but it was fucking hilarious when it was happening. We were just going down a rabbit <laughs> hole of like humanizing like rats, basically. And then she was like, "We're talking about queer rats and how rats are definitely <laughs> mainly queer, and like how they're like our queer allies." And she said, "LGBTQIR," and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we, need we love our allies. We need rat representation. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, yeah. love. So the rat park experiment was based off of this other experiment that happened prior to that. Um, I don't know if this is like the specific name for it, but they used these things called the Skinner boxes, which were. I mean, this is like the fucked up side of. Um, I know. Well, already the Skinner boxes. I'm like, so are they skinning them? No, oh no, no. no. I think that's just the person's Skinner. name. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's, he's big in behavioral psychology. Yeah. Yeah. So the the Skinner box experiments basically were like they put these rats into cages by themselves. So they like were in solitary confinement and they would starve the rats and they hooked up like IVs of I think it was morphine to the rats. And if they pressed this lever, they would like get the morphine released into their body um, and so obviously the rats were just literally <laughs> pressing the lever all the time. <laughs> so clearly, I mean, we can recognize that that experiment, clearly there's a million variables that, you know, contribute to why the rats might have <laughs> pressed the lever or not. Um, specifically, them being in solitary confinement in a cage is hugely contributing to that. Um, but of course, they decided that that experiment like implied that environment like had nothing to do with being addicted to substances and that it was like mainly just the drug, I'm pretty sure. So this this guy who did the Rat Park experiment, his name is Bruce Alexander, <laughs> and this was in the 70s. So he kind of like built an experiment based off of the Skinner boxes. He had two sets of rat I don't know, like families or something. Um, two sets of rats. Rat gangs. Yeah. So I think <laughs> they had, so they had some rats in the Skinner boxes. So there was like a group of rats in solitary confinement caged up. And then they had these rats that were in the rat park area, which was a, a space where they could all freely roam. They had a good time together. They were vibing. It was like a little rat neighborhood. Um, little commune rat yeah. commune yeah and so they did they did the same thing kind of they hooked up ivs to the rats and like had a lever so that they you know had the option to press the lever and get morphine um if they wanted to and the implications of this study basically this experiment showed that the rats in the cages were more inclined to drink the morphine water than the rats in Rat Park. And they even like ended up taking rats from the cages to Rat Park and the rats that were from the Skinner boxes were able to like wean themselves off of the morphine water once they were in the Rat Park. So this study basically implied that like addiction is somewhat based on your environment and not just based on like the drug's ability to make you addicted to it. But also clearly like this study also has its own faults and 
we all know at this point in history that environment is not the sole contributor to be an, being addicted to something, um, not even drugs, but just like literally anything in your life. Yeah. And I think that this also determined that like genetics. So, okay, wait, never mind. In the 90s, they recreated this experiment again just to see if they could actually do it because there's also other shit that happened with the Rat Park experiment where like the guy lost data for a week and he Classic. just like cl- the methods were not up to par and I don't even know why he like really thought he did something based <laughs> when you hear about all the shit that he kind of fucked up with the methods portion. I'm surprised he was like allowed to like publish yeah, the results I was gonna basically. Say, yeah. What year was it? As, like, this was in the, the 70s. 70s right? Okay. <laughs> they weren't as like That's I'm why. assuming as strict about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. But okay so in the 90s they recreated this experiment just to see like what was up. Let's see if we can actually do it. Um they used the same breed of rats, and they found that actually the rats in the cages and in Rat Park had very similar rates of the morphine use. So this experiment then implied that maybe genetics might be playing a bigger role in addiction than we had previously thought. But also, like we can confound all of those things and say environment, genetics, the actual addictiveness of the drugs are all playing a factor at the end of the day like i don't know why these studies wanted things to be so black and white like why can we not put multiple variables in and see how those contribute like yeah like why why do we need to have like like, actually no it's only one thing yep they're like drug addiction is caused by one thing and one thing only and it's morphine in the water supply yep i'm assuming i'm wondering if like because of the time and everything because nowadays everything i mean research is always coming out anyways but it's always like i can imagine that it's harder to find things to research because so much research has already been done and you have to like prove your case that what you're doing is worth the funding and time and everything like that and i'm wondering if like back then they really did just like want to isolate everything and now nowadays since we have all those isolated things we just like kind of combine everything and then have like a very complex experiment because even like in more recent years from the research that i've seen like some of the studies are very like you have to start with the most preliminary study that seems so obvious, but just right. to like show how you get to the next step, which is sometimes ridiculous, but yes. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that yeah. makes sense for sure. And just, I don't know, like thinking about all this, I feel like we don't need rats to necessarily like understand how addiction becomes a thing. Like, I feel like we can just, you know, we can understand that from observing people and observing how the types of people that become addicted to drugs or anything in life. And like, clearly, drug addiction has no like, it affects everyone or it can affect everyone. One thing I was going to say is like, like how you just said, like, can't we just like look basically like use our eyes? (laughs) Like, it's so interesting. Kind of like what I was saying with mine is like, how did we not know this? Yeah. Like, why did we need to do a study? And for originally them to be like, oh, actually, no environment necessary. Like, just drugs right. that make you feel good, make you addicted. And people were like, oh, okay. Makes sense. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get, like, clearly some people were like, eh, probably not. And that's why they, like, did more experiments right. because they were like, no, I think it's more complicated than that. But it's like, how do- – it just – going back, like, it just feels like we're, like, stupid yeah you know what a hundred years from now they're gonna look at shit we were doing and believing they're gonna be like god those people were idiots you know like it's just crazy 
I'm glad you guys brought that up. I'll I'll explain this briefly because I've had that same thought so many times. I mean, not overall with like psychological research because obviously this is like my fucking shit, but with a lot of studies that I've learned in my many classes and stuff, my many psychology classes, not like it got to a certain point where I started like kind of admiring that for certain reasons because I saw how important it was in some experiments to have those steps. And we, and I had so many research methods class classes. And because of that, I like, I mean, I know you guys obviously very much respect research too, obviously, but like I yeah. have this level of appreciation for the process because it's kind of been like, I mean, to an extent you could say I've been brainwashed into thinking that, <laughs> but I remember it feeling the same way. Like I, this is, I mean, I'm sure there's a study on this too. And honestly, like it's not, it might not be this exact thing, but it's like very similar in level of like obvious. Like I remember one time, and this is with many studies that I've heard of where someone like basically proved something along the lines of like, oh, love makes you happy. Like, like something like that. That's And it's like, and it seems, and I remember when I would first hear that shit, I would call my mom after class and I'd be like, I just don't get why this is important. And she, I mean, she like empathize with me and stuff. And then as I learned more in my classes, I realized, oh, okay. Like I get that it's obvious, but until that experiment is done, it can't be proven. I mean, I know, like, I know like nothing science, can ever be yeah, proven. proven. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So then I started like understanding more. Yeah. Like you can't, you need that to then build off on the more like complex stuff. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah, to then do a more complex experiment, you need to make sure everybody's on the same page with like, right. Let's all agree that these are the facts and then this is what we're testing as opposed to right. being like, well, most people think this. So then let's test the next thing in the line. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Make It makes sense. It's just still like. It's still like ludicrous sometimes. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just crazy to think like somebody had to be the person to do that or like a group of people yeah. had to be the person to like prove right. or like show this thing that seems like common knowledge to us now you know like right. they had to come out and make it known jill are you done explaining the rat parker thing because i want to say something that kind of adds to the experiments that you were mentioning so i didn't i can't remember the name of this specific one i've just learned about it so many times and it, it applies to our everyday life in so many ways that I, I think about it frequently um and again i'm sure there are multiple ones related to this specific thing too and I'm, there's no way that we haven't talked about it before on the podcast at some point with like positive intermittent reinforcement, which I want to give people a background. I know that you guys know this, but in general with behavioral psychology, operant conditioning, which was found, well, I guess founded in some ways. No, that doesn't make sense. It existed. It was found to be a thing with B.F. Skinner. He was really big in behavioral psychology. And with reinforcements and punishments, I know that it seems it sounds like obvious. And again, I know you guys know it, but just in case our listeners might not know some of the nuances. There's positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement, which both of those are still in some ways rewarding. It's just that with negative, like let's say it's it's removing a negative stimulus or something and then positive reinforcement, it's adding one. And then there's positive punishment, which is like putting someone on timeout or negative punishment, which is like remove, like taking a phone from someone, for example. So that's just like some of like the foundation of what operant conditioning entails. And there was a study about rats also with levers and with, they always fucking use levers and shit and with drugs. I think in this case, it was specifically- Rats are coke. big lever fans. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> They're like, we um, know these bitches won't participate when they see a real, lever. They fucking love this shit. They're icon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I and there are definitely also studies that like they'll have built on this and add other rewards like food in the mix, which makes it more complicated in interesting ways. But one of the studies that I'm thinking of is rats had access to a lever where they can access cocaine. And in that lever, you would press it. There were some rats that every time they pressed it, they got the cocaine. And eventually, 
they didn't even choose. I don't know if like the majority, I don't know the results on how many just entirely stopped using it, but for the most part, they weren't addicted to it. Um, like I think that's what they were, they, they were able to reject that in all hypothesis. I don't think that they were actually addicted to it. And then they had rats in another cage where when they pressed the lever, there were times where they got it and times where they didn't. And it is that intermittent reinforcement is so powerful. And if you reflect on it, you can see it in your everyday life guaranteed. It's very common in abusive relationships as well because it's like you don't get that love and affection you're abused and then you get it again and then it's like the highest high and you're constantly seeking that you don't know when it's going to come so it's kind of like a surprise in this weird fucked up rewarding way and the reason why i know we must have discussed this to an extent is because on our episode did we have i know we've talked about this on the podcast but did we have an actual episode on the social dilemma i think we did right i think yeah Okay, yeah, because in that, I like that they address that because, I mean, social media is... That was one of our OG episodes. I can't remember. Yeah, so I thought it was an OG, and I don't think you had seen it. I was going to say, I don't think I ever saw it, though. Yeah, I don't think you... I don't know if you saw it. I know that... I don't know if you saw it, because I think... I don't know if it was... Yeah. Let me look it up. It was about the the social media documentary. Yeah, Yeah, that's what... I don't think you had seen it for the episode. I'm not... I can't remember, but you were, like, commenting on what we had seen. I've been meaning to rewatch that, actually. Yeah, I I never saw it, but you guys had both watched it either together or, like, really recently in succession. So that's why we talked about it. So anyway, sorry. Keep going. I just... Yes. No, no, it's okay. So with social media, that is, like, seen on every single possible app. I'm trying to think of, like, the most obvious example, and I can't think of one. But even, like... Again, there are more obvious examples than this. This one can still be like, I don't know, not the case for everyone. But let's like, for example, when you post on Instagram, it's different if you have notifications on, I guess. But if you don't have notifications on, what's happened to me is then I periodically check the app to see like the likes that I've gotten yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And and you don't know when you're going to get that. Or if it's like with dating apps, it's it's similar to like yeah. you don't know when you're going to get that like actual match or something like that. And that's a little different. It's not necessarily like forced on you like in the algorithm but it all of this also explains why gambling can lead to addiction because sometimes you might get a reward most of the time you don't but you're constantly seeking that and I still I'd be interested in reading a study on why exactly that is like it makes complete intuitive sense but as we were discussing even things that make intuitive sense need the scientific method applied to them in some sort of study in order to not prove the theory, but, you know, getting as close as possible to proving a certain theory and stuff. So I'd be interested in reading more about that. But anyways, yes, that is another way in which rats are similar to us, which I'm thinking about my neighbors hearing me talk about this. Just, just out of context, rats are similar to us. I mean, rats wig, I guess. Besties. Clearly, you've had many conversations recently about rats. Clearly, clearly. Um, You're like this bitch and her rats. For real, for real. But oh, fuck, what was I even going to say? Oh, oh, it's just actually, I guess this kind of leads into the metacognition that I wanted to talk about. But it's interesting because with classical conditioning, which was the type of learning that we found before operant conditioning with B.F. Skinner. It was with Pavlov's dogs. And actually that's more oh. complicated than people like think, but tech, but it, people, even I had seen it for a while as like the simpler form of that, because it seems more of like a, an innate association of something because there's typically some sort of like, I mean, you guys know about Pavlov's dogs, right? Yeah. I, mean, I know mm-hmm. you must. And I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm sure most of our listeners have heard it, but classical conditioning, it's, it is very complicated still. So I'm not trying to simplify it, but it could be seen as the more simple version. And then operant conditioning gets much more technical because that's the type of conditioning and learning that we actively apply in our day-to-day lives in order to incorporate new material in our brains or new habits for a species that has higher consciousness. I was going to say, I'm surprised you and I haven't talked more about operant conditioning because that's something like you do a lot when working with animals so like that's like when we would do training with the animals I mean the training we would do they could always opt out that's why like I was comfortable with it like but so you they learn station and if they go to their station then that means like they're willing to train and usually like they're willing to train because they'll get extra treats or like will use part of their meal and they still get all the meal even if they didn't train but it's like oh they get the yummy stuff sooner if they decide to train but so like that's we would use operant conditioning from that um and you like then build off of you know you start with like target and then you use the target to get them to like sit and stuff like that so I'm surprised you right. really haven't discussed operant conditioning more because that's that was when I was at the zoo part of my like day-to-day job well I know you're right and I as we're talking about it I do want to like do more research because I'm really interested in general not that there's like a direct scientific overlap with this but I really like understanding when when even psychology can't explain something scientifically I really like understanding almost like the possible philosophical theories behind it so now I'm in general pondering what I again like it makes intuitive sense why reinforcement like that would work and intermittent reinforcement like that would work but I'm like but truly deep down why why is that the case but anyways I'm glad that you brought that up because that is almost directly perfectly linked to the metacognition study that I was reading about (laughs) it was like a different purpose (laughs) <laughs> for real. It was a different purpose than what they were explaining, but the way it was similar. Well, first, let me describe what metacognition is. So metacognition yeah, is. Yeah. So that's basically, I mean, it sounds like some made up word, but it's like an actual term. It, like it sounds like literally something like a fucking incel would say to <laughs> pretend like they're smarter. Oh, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Literally. Metacognition literally. is yeah, how we think in the metaverse. Damn, yeah. Damn. That's using your brain in the metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> Um, But metacognition basically means it's similar to theory of mind. I don't know if they're interchangeable necessarily, but it's basically being able to like, well, reflecting is an added layer, but being aware of your thoughts, being able to like even think about your thoughts to an extent. And then there's like an extra layer when it comes to actually reflecting on them, which is one of the things that we think separates us from other species potentially. But um, in this study, when they were kind of trying to, I don't actually would be interested in seeing if this was their actual intention, because so many experiments back in the day, especially this one isn't that old, but I know a lot of experience experiments back in the day were found accidentally, like Pavlov's dogs was completely accidental. Like that guy was a gastroenterologist. So he literally didn't even work in psychology, but (laughs) And he was like testing something about saliva. But anyways, Ew. so in, in I know Ew. in in this study, I'm trying. So oh God, this one was the one that I like I read about the other day and I wrote down the notes. But my brain is not working enough to analyze. So I'm going to give a very broad overview and then explain more about like, I guess, possible implications. But basically, they had some type of study. Well, we're again, levers, shout out were involved yeah for real and they had to use okay wait let me look over this really quick I think okay so they would press a lever where they could get a food reward delivered and then once that was pressed it was the first one was like a T formation it would light up two more paths for them to go and I think that once they got past that they could 
find one of those two paths had more food. So what happened is that they and they they created other experiments as well where they had an even like more complex maze and it had similar results but with more findings. With this T maze one that I described, what they found is that once the rats knew where the food was, they didn't press the lever that lit up the alleys anymore because the rats themselves, I mean, and again, there were many factors involved in this possibly, but I think they had, their methods seemed pretty sound from what I had seen, at least for this one study. And the rats knew that they already knew the path, so they didn't have to press the lever. So they were aware of the knowledge that they had, which is interesting because that is definitely different. It, you know, you could still associate that with like reinforcement, operant conditioning and classical conditioning and stuff. Well, I guess mostly operant. And that's certainly a part of it with learning the lever even lights it up, but actually being able to tell, oh, I already know this. So I don't need to press the lever because I know exactly where the food is, yeah. is really interesting. So they found that. And then apparently at the end of the study, it was talking about this, which like, I mean, I guess reading it, I'm not surprised at all. It, doesn't, it didn't say who found this controversial, but I can guarantee that it was religious fucking zealots. <laughs> but apparently finding this like i don't know how controversial it was to what extent but there was controversy about finding studies saying that there could be metacognition in animals because it seems like that's suggesting a level of self-awareness or self-reflective consciousness which there is a slight difference but also it's like even like if they have that why the fuck which i know it's because it's fucking like christians primarily i'm sure being like we just have to be the ultimate species, you know, just like before, right. like geocentrism and everything. Like, God fucking yeah. forbid that we're not literally the center of the universe. Yeah. It's so fucking well, annoying. I think the main thing is that it brings in then the philosophical argument yeah. of, again, like their rights, basically. And, you know, and then it gets into the nitty gritty of like, should we eat them? Well, that, but also <laughs> just like, like in a religious aspect of like, okay, so then would they go to heaven? Do they need oh, to be taught oh. Christ? Do they need What's like it, moral, it brings in yeah, like standing. it brings in all of that of like if they are able to like perceive life, like then do they need to they need to repent? Yeah, then can <laughs> then could they be good and bad? Like it brings right. in like the moral aspect and then like if they're good and bad, like do rats go to heaven and hell? Which is always my argument when I'm talking about like I don't really like believe in religion. Because it's like, what? Where do you draw the line then? Where it's yeah. like, does every single ant go to heaven then? You know, like that kind of thing. Right. But that also makes sense that my opinion on that had to come from the knowledge that animals have some form of metacognition, so they should have, you know, like, which comes from that that study and similar studies that you're talking about. Yeah. But I think that that's why it made them all like shit themselves because then it starts putting all that into question and that like god like you know deemed that man ruled over beast it like yeah it makes that dynamic more difficult yeah. right it's interesting to me though because people don't feel that way about like dogs and cats and like domesticated animals like all dogs go to heaven is a fucking movie so I'm, like literally you're def- literally people, called like, that to see their dog when they go to heaven you know right so that's interesting to me. I'm like, okay, so we can't apply that to rats because they're what? Like they run around the street in the sewer and they eat trash. Well, I think that they expect to see their dog their dog to go to heaven because <laughs> a whole other conversation. Because <laughs> like from like an egocentric way of like, oh right. I loved this My animal. Dog. This was a good animal, so he deserves to go to heaven. Right. It's like, was your dog really that good? Like he f- bit the mailman. 
you know, like, right. come on. like right. I know He's you loved him, but <laughs> exactly. So, but you know, and that's just a very, yeah, egocentric opinion that pet dogs would go to heaven. I cannot forget this theory that I'm very interested in. I'm saying it right now so that I don't forget because it's literally already slipping. As you were saying that, it'd be so interesting to see. I know that a lot, a lot of cultures around the world, like, and I would say from what I, from my understanding, like a lot of Asian, South Asian, and like, I guess definitely it's a lot of cultures. I mean, Native Americans as well, uh, indigenous people. So it applies to many people, but I know that they see, and they often see animals and all animals differently than like we do in Western, in, in the Western world. And I know that those cultures also tend to be collectivist and not in, as individual or individualistic at all. And what you're saying, Nikki, about how egocentric it is to even think like, well, this was my dog and my dog is good. So he's definitely going to be there when like objectively the dog was probably like mid. Like, I mean, okay, no shade to dogs. But you know what I mean? I'm saying like, it's not like he's saving yeah. someone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, it's, it's like, did he pull little Johnny from the fire? No. Literally, did he get yeah. Susie from the well? No. Literally. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how that that like the individualistic versus collectivist culture thing also has to do if there is some sort of correlation with how they perceive animals because I really think there is because for the most part a lot of other cultures around the world see all animals as like equals and stuff like that not all yeah. but there are cultures out there so and even yeah. religions that hold yes, animals yes. in high regard exactly yeah. Christianity. does exactly. Christianity value any animal no love you're so right. I'm thinking about it. I don't I mean not that I fucking know anything about the Bible, but I don't I've never in my life heard something about the Camels? only time that I've seen the only like Bible thing I've ever heard about this is like the man over beast thing that you mentioned. So it's literally if they're gonna mention it, it's only to assert that we're more important and powerful than them and so Oh way. yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, and in the Old Testament, because this is more um Jewish, like if anything, they're like pigs are disgusting and you cannot <laughs> eat pork. So it's like, if anything, they went out of their way to be like, y'all, also, by the way, fuck pigs. <laughs> For real. Pigs are like, the fuck? Like, yeah, don't, fuck maybe pork. don't eat us, because <laughs> I'm nasty. Vile <laughs> creatures yeah. on earth. But yeah, that's why, like, on Fridays, people, you can't eat. Or is it Sundays? Right. And a lot of people who are more, um, whatever it is, you can't eat meat. Yeah, but you, like, people who are oh. in Catholicism on Fridays, you can't. Um, eat meat you can only eat fish but um people who are kosher you don't eat you don't eat any pork at all ever because it's considered like a filthy animal yeah same with um, being muslim too i really didn't realize that that was the reason i thought i i knew that they didn't eat pork and same with um in muslim religion but i didn't realize that that was like a i didn't know the reason i thought it was i don't know if that's the the opposite i thought it was praise for the pig as opposed to disgust (laughs) so that's good i thought it I thought in Islam it's cows and because those are holy animal. I think the cows are holy, but you also can't eat pork. Why the fuck did I say Muslim religion, not Islam? Oh my God, my fucking... I mean, that's not like that's offensive, but my fucking brain really said Muslim religion (laughs) instead of Islam. I need to acknowledge that. Christian (laughs) religion. It's basically (laughs) saying Christian religion. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's because they're like, pigs are disgusting, filthy, dirty creatures, so you can't eat them. (laughs) I like, want to know Jesus. Like, why. Like, some why guy did... got like like food poisoning from a pig. So he's like, you and know like, what? Oh Fuck him. Putting him putting him in the fucking Old Testament. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> King James had a gripe. <laughs> For real. Oh no, he wrote the New Testament. 
<laughs> who, who fucking knows? I literally who don't, have no idea. <laughs> well, because we don't have any idea, right? Like, like it was a collective um, anthology of stories. Yeah, literally <laughs> the Jesus anthology, <laughs> written by six. I players. love that series. <laughs> <laughs> a collection of sto- short stories. <laughs> <laughs> Do with these what you will. Oh my god, I watched. Sorry, this is totally now completely even more off topic than we all I mean, you were. Can see, I'm actually, at least I personally am done with the studies that I did research on. So I'm chilling, you can okay. say. Um, I watched a YouTube video. Um, do you know the YouTuber Illuminati? But she spells it like N A U G H T I. She yes. like does like shorter deep dives on like random shit. So I watched one today about the Unification Church which is like the church that the guy who assassinated the Japanese prime minister is from. Oh. And the newest like generation of it basically. So the guy who started it died. His son is in charge. His son like truly believes that Jesus Christ had an AR-15. <laughs> and so in their ceremonies and shit, they like have ARs. And it's because in one of the like Bible passages, it said like he was holding an iron rod. And the guy was like, that was actually a gun. And Illuminati is like, yeah, Jesus Christ had an American-made assault rifle, which is actually made of aluminum. It's not even made of iron, but okay. (laughs) Like, and so they literally have guns, like, in their ceremonies. Oh, my God. I I was going to say two things. One, the fact that that is a thought whatsoever to any capacity. And then second, during ceremonies, like, are you fucking serious? Like, like mass weddings. And it's like during that, they all like all the men like carry a rifle. That's just like literally how stupid can you be to think that the Bible says that they're that he was holding a gun or like how stupid can you be to not think that Joe? Well, I'm sorry. I know guns weren't created in BC. So (laughs) It's, it's so <laughs> fucking like Neanderthals had guns. with guns. Our, the God. human race would be, be in the year actually. 30, 30,010 out here. <laughs> 30, human race would probably be extinct by now. <laughs> if we had guns that long ago when there was like literally no other form, like no form of communicating or spreading or anything, and they just had guns. I literally think yeah. that, that we would just be extinct right then. <laughs> we should try it. We should invent time should travel and then give them guns. <laughs> <laughs> we would come back and like the world would literally be no. Actually, it would be beautiful because no one would because all the humans would, wouldn't exist. Wow, yeah. our breakthrough. Our for real. We just solved every world crisis ever for real. Give I have men guns to say about yeah, that and something else which i'm not even i mean this is like an entire rabbit hole because this is like this is like the philosophy of christianity type shit in general it's just so crazy to me that like they perceive that everything in there like when they choose to as the ultimate <laughs> truth and like word for word the ultimate truth even when that wasn't the actual meaning because you know any fucking person any human has the capacity supposedly to be able to actually interpret and get context meaning and stuff but when they choose to they take it literally even when it wasn't meant that way and then at the same time they choose to interpret these things that make no fucking sense out of this yeah. like you know every single word here is true but you're interpreting it this way so yeah that and also, I was going to say this, this is also unrelated and I'll, I'll keep it short. Fuck, what was I going to say? Oh, I didn't know about this. And I was watching it with Allie and Jack yesterday. I watched a video explaining, like a Vice video talking about this. I didn't know 
that there are people who believe that Sandy Hook didn't happen. I mean, I'm not surprised. I know that there are Holocaust deniers, but I didn't know that that was a Sandy Hook thing too. And I, I learned that because they were talking about some court case. The guy who had to pay. Yeah. He had to pay like retribution. Yeah. Like 42 million, which I don't know where he is in the court case. I also, I know that he is like, you know, you're, you're the epitome of like fake news, like literally talking about just the fucking wackest shit, like literally in Spider-Man. I mean, he like is, he was on InfoWars. So anyone's familiar with that. So in Spider-Man in No Way Home, they have like for the, the main like journalist reporter person, that's a big part of the comics for Spider-Man. I can't believe I can't remember his name right now. In the newer one, he fan. used to be in the old Spider-Man. Yeah, for real. He, and he's like <laughs> important. He used to be in the older Spider-Man movies. And when they brought him for like modern day, it was like InfoWars based. And everything he was saying was like shitting on Spider-Man and stuff. That's fucking oh fake. Spider-Man's oh good. <laughs> but anyways, yes, I didn't know about that. And I did not know that there were people out there that were believing that. And on top of that, the part that is even more despicable to me is that there are people who lived and live in that community when that happened that believed that like there was a guy in this vice video that was talking about how it's hard for him because he's friends with the families that have experiences i mean he didn't say experiences because he's not acknowledging that it happened but like he's making it seem like you know quote unquote experience this and it's like and it's hard because like you know deep down like not saying believing he's saying knowing that this didn't happen and i'm like i Oh, it's hard for you. Want it's hard for you, right you and not yeah. these, the parents of the children yeah. that died. Yeah. God, people just, it's one of those things that's actually something that's like said in that bug movie that I was telling you guys to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, they were like, okay, this is why I'm like, it's not mind blowing. Like, cause I've heard this kind of thing before. Oh, when we've talked about QAnon believers, cause it's easier to believe that it was a conspiracy than it is to accept that that horrific reality occurred yeah Yeah. and that i mean i'm not excusing it because i think that that's like a very cowardly thing i think choosing to keep your head in the sand instead of like acknowledge the cruel reality of the world is why a lot of these things continue to happen because people don't want to like acknowledge them but that's like why because it is like so horrendous like oh it must be nice to like actually think that none of these horrible things happened like i would love to like be on that page right it did happen and we need to like respect that you know it's just people are just so i mean that's how fucked up our world is that people become detached and like believe other shit because it's easier to believe random stories than yeah yeah, than it is so i just i don't understand what they think then that like because i know that alex jones thinks that the people like the parents and all those the people involved are crisis actors but I'm yes. just confused. What does he think that the conspiracy is that they are conspiring to, like, get to? Maybe like, get rid he... of guns. But I'm like, they didn't. That was 10 years ago and nothing has happened. So, like, the, your true. Second Amendment rights were not infringed upon, boy. But I feel like it's that's probably what they thought was, like, the goal. And then it's like, they would be like, well, they don't want to get caught that they were lying. So now they yeah. just have to stick with the story. Right. So now they just have to do a million other shootings. <laughs> <laughs> to keep yeah. up the story yeah fucked yeah yeah anyways on that horrendous note <laughs> speaking well, of actually, rats for real, the real rats and I, yeah don't give rats a bad name by calling out real Jones rats rat. of new york city <laughs> oh my god the amount of rats, rats i saw of- in new york city and when i was there for not even 24 hours 
them bitches are radioactive. Rats. How many did you like, see? I think Fucking I saw huge. four. And a roach. I that saw multiple roaches walking the roach. down the street. <laughs> I want to see a roach riding on the back of a rat like a oh, horse. That would be beautiful. <laughs> Stop. Joe, the way you go. <sighs> Why is like, that? Wow, I just, that would wow. be beauty in the I apocalypse. Can it. <laughs> the, the way that that is like precisely, if that is precisely the equivalent of human to horse which i know is what you're saying but i just can't believe that it's literally pre- if there are two animals it is precisely a roach on a rat that sounds like it'd be like a little like out like i'm trying to think of like an equivalent song yeah where it's like um over the hill through the woods to grandma's house we go a children's rhyme about new york city and the roach goes i'm walking here the wildlife of new york city he has a little raccoon a little raccoon and a little possum. <laughs> Got the whole Dude, possums squad. Possums are awesome. This is here. Cute. I'll I'll end on a soapbox about possums because um, they're kind of like rats. Um, they, <laughs> if you're going to have a little critter in your backyard, you should hope it's a possum because they are not going to like attack a pet, which like raccoons would. And like obviously like foxes and shit would, but they also are immune to Lyme disease and many other diseases that fleas and ticks carry. So they're not disease carriers. So, and they can't get rabies. So you don't need to worry about that. And they eat fleas, ticks, and ticks. And so bring them inside your house. Yeah. Renaissance. I mean, basically, (laughs) no, literally, literally possums are awesome. Like they're at, but they only live like two years. So don't get attached because they'll, they'll dip out on you. (laughs) They'll dip out. (laughs) Gotta go to rat heaven. Going to heaven. Peace. (laughs) They are not rats. That's my point. That's my point. They're, they're superior to rats. Yeah. Thank you. But like, I mean, no, Okay, not to like be Christian and like put value over one being over another, but like possums just when it comes to humanity, they do more beneficial stuff. Like rats, Agreed. like that ass, like single handedly wiped out a ton of the population <laughs> by spreading disease. You for real? They carry how many fucking diseases did they bring on over? Like on damn. the rat version of the Mayflower and. <laughs> possums are out there like defending us so i'm just saying if you see possums like you know say thank you give a little head yeah, nod and give them a little tip a your little cap <laughs> give them a tip tip your cap give them a penny. yeah say thank you for your service for give them real. a little reward activate that dopamine oh yeah give them a shot of morphine you know yeah <laughs> they'll like it well, they probably will <laughs> true <laughs> Okay, um, I have to go within the next like was, minute and a half. That's okay. We're way off the rails. So, does anybody have anything they want to add? Yes, um, something, ha- something, something good. I know, I know, but something yeah. I want. <laughs> that was a bazinga finger. <laughs> I just want to add that I'm really excited because I'm going to visit Jill again in like two weekends. Wow. I got my flight today, so wow. hell yeah, yeah. We're gonna. I'm very excited. Go find a rat. What weekend is that? That's the, the weekend. Yeah, so I'm gonna go. I can't miss work, so I'm gonna go Saturday and then Saturday, and then I'm leaving Tuesday morning. So Monday, I'm just gonna work from Jill's apartment. 
Yeah, if you're trying to come. Well, that's why I'm We can kiss a rock while I, together. Tempting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have to look at flight prices because I am poor. I so like, I would just have to see. It's worth yeah. it. I mean, I'll I'll look. I'll look around and see. Because I do want to see you. I miss you. I know. But also shmoney. Yeah. I'm trying to pop my it. pussy more online to like get more money. <laughs> literally. Pop literally trying pussy. to do some more. If anyone <laughs> is willing to spend money, go pop Nikki's clothes. If you if you want to help me go visit Jill. Yes. Subscribe yeah. to my OnlyFans. For real. For real. So. All right. On that note, that was our episode. I know it started with a clear course in mind and then it just went off the rails like the rat park baby we were going off over those roller oh, coasters yeah, yeah so. <laughs> but yeah thank you for listening hopefully you stuck with us on there i feel like maybe it wasn't as chaotic this episode as i feel like it was but my Honestly, perception my of parts, it is i'm like what happened <laughs> my, my favorite parts of like when i listen to podcasts is when they also have these moments so like i'm chilling i yeah. think yeah no i mean I'm, like that. I'm not upset about it i'm just like that was just one where, yeah, we got a little <laughs> eh with it. But uh, yeah, so you can find us every other Tuesday on pretty much every podcast platform. Um, but yeah, specifically Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And yeah, thanks again for listening. Oh, and you follow us on social media. That's kind of weighty. Instagram and Twitter. Bye. Bye.